Well, good morning and welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. We welcome you here today. Would you stand? You're in the house. We're going to worship the Lord today. We welcome you if you're worshiping, worshiping with us online. Let's lift our voices. Sing to the Lord today. Let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it rise. Let praise arise. We sing your name in the dark and it changes everything. We sing with all we are and we claim your victory. So let it rise, let praise arise. Come on. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. Fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side. Forever lift him high with all creation cry. Oh 
we lift up praise in your house. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, praise group. Brothers and sisters, the Bible says we enter into his presence with thanksgiving, which is nothing more than praise. Amen. And into his courts with praise. Amen. Let's praise the Lord, brothers and sisters, like we mean it. Amen. I know we do. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The highest praise we can give our Lord. And he loves to hear us praise him. I've said it before. I believe it's because it blesses us so much that he wants us to praise him. When we pray, we are elevated into the heavenlies to God. But when we praise him, God comes to us. He inhabits his praise. Amen. So that's all the reason I need to praise him. I woke up this morning. And like I do most mornings, I try to think, what do I have to praise God for today? I try to think of maybe a, a main thing, a paramount thing. And I thought how this is the first time in decades in America that we are not in the process of a war somewhere in this world. What a reason to thank God, amen? Isn't that something to praise him about? I know the veterans feel that way. Hallelujah. We need to give God thanks for things like that. Once a day, every day, I try to think of a reason before I get out of bed to thank God. The psalmist David says in Psalm 103, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. Amen? I'm sorry, that's uh, not Psalm 103. That's Psalm, that's a different one. He said, I will bless the Lord, that's it, with all my soul. Of all that is within me, I will bless or praise his holy name. David said, bless the Lord, O my soul. And I love this part. He said, and forget not all my benefits. Do you think about how God has benefited you? We need to. He wants us to. No matter what we're going through, no matter how rough it may be, we need to remember all the good God has done for us. He said, I'll remind you of some things. For I forgave you of all your iniquities. Aren't you glad? I healed you of all your diseases. I redeemed your life from destruction, crowned your life with loving kindness and tender mercy. And I satisfy your essence, your mouth, with good things so that your youth has renewed like the eagles. That's what God's word does. That's what God does to us, brothers and sisters. He renews us like the eagle. Hallelujah. Let's go to our Lord in prayer, brothers and sisters, and thank him for his goodness, his loving kindness, his tender mercy. Oh, Heavenly Father, we do indeed feel your presence. You have come to join us in the praising of your heavenly, heavenly embodiment. We thank you, dear God, for being here. We love you, Lord. We give you honor. We give you glory. We want to thank you, dear God, for watching over us, for keeping us safe this week from all hurt, all harm, and all danger. We ask, dear God, that you will continue to bless us. There's dangers out here in the world, Lord, there always have been. You know all about it, dear God. And you warned us in these last days it would wax more and more. But we have your promise that you will deliver us from it all. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, your word says, but the Lord will deliver us from it all. Cover us, dear God, with your holy feathers. 
so that we need not be afraid of anything that's out here in the world. But greater is he that is in us, in this house, than the devil who is in the world. We believe that. We trust that. We ask, dear God, that you continue to remind us of your word. Orchestrate our lives, dear God, according to your word, your will, which is your word, and your good pleasure. For we want to please you, dear God. We want to obey you. We want to walk in faith. Help us, Lord. We cannot do it on our own. We need you. Bless each and every person who's here today, those who are on the Internet. It's just like they're here, Lord. They took the time to make connection. Please, dear God, bless them for the diligence in seeking you and hearing the word of God. Bless our elderly, especially our children who are in the church. Dear God, bless all Christendom throughout the world. Give your angels charge over us as you said you would. We need your protection, dear God. Lord, forgive us of any and all sins we may have committed. And help us to walk that straight and narrow road. Lord, we give you honor today. We give you glory. Bless our pastor as he brings that word today. Bless his whole family, dear Lord. This we humbly ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. And could you say amen, church? Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Hey, CTC family. I'm Lynn, and here's this week's news. At the Bear Campus, we are so excited to have the privilege of being a drop-off location for Operation Christmas Child Shoeboxes. Collection week begins Monday, November 15th, and runs through Monday, November 22nd. If you haven't picked up a shoebox yet, there's still time. Boxes are available at both campuses. We're still in need of staff for the collection times. If you can help, contact Sandy Sturgis at the email on the screen. You will find the collection schedule on our website or our social media pages. Next weekend, we will be delivering our Thanksgiving turkey baskets. As always, our church has responded beautifully with gifts of food to put in the baskets. We actually still need names of families that will be blessed by receiving a basket. We also need people who are willing to deliver the baskets. Our target dates are Sunday and Monday, November 21st and 22nd. If you want to recommend a family to receive a basket or you're willing to deliver baskets, please send an email to lpoindexter at ctcde.church. We are just a few weeks away from the opening of this year's Christmas show. Welcome to Bethlehem is set in a historic inn in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Financial challenges for the inn mean that they may have to close the doors for good. With the help of a Christmas tree lighting, a resourceful bellhop, and a teenage runaway, the Bethlehem Inn just might be able to keep doing what it does best, offer hope to a hurting world. Show dates are Friday, December 10th through Sunday, December 12th. Admission is free. We encourage you to invite friends, neighbors, anyone who needs to be encouraged during the Christmas season. For more information on these and other events, visit our website at ctcde.church or go to our Facebook page. If you need prayer, you can call the Bayer Campus Office at 302-836-2862 or the Ellesmere Campus Office at 302-998-4584. You can also email us at prayer at ctcde.church or if you're worshiping online, you can hit the request prayer button at the bottom of your screen. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week. You served. 
When others were hesitant to answer the call, and when your friends stayed home, you served. Mile after mile, day after day, you became the best you could be, so freedom could count on you. You served. When our nation needed you the most, you were there. You sacrificed months without your family. You missed birthdays, anniversaries, holidays. You served. When you laced up your boots for the last time, we welcomed you back with pride. You're among us, humbly knowing you've lived another life of courage and sacrifice. Never asking for praise, never asking for thanks. You served. This Veterans Day, we honor you. We thank you for your courage and for your dedication. And also I want to thank any veterans out there, whether you're in person or if you know someone who's a veteran or if you're watching online with us. So again, I wanted to just thank you all and again, happy Veterans Day, even though it was last Thursday. So again, welcome to the service today. Hopefully everyone had a fabulous week. If you are new here and you are in the sanctuary, again, welcome. And before you leave, once you exit and turn your head to the left, you'll see the Welcome Center where you'll receive a free gift or be greeted by someone from our pastoral staff or be able to talk to someone from, you know, this whole family. And if you're new here and you are online, again, welcome. So you can either click the New Here button at the top or the bubble that most likely just popped up in the chat right now. And before I forget about Connect Cards, Connect Cards. (laughs) So if you're here with us, whether you're sitting at the table or at your seat, you will see a little Connect Card. It's rectangular, it's an an envelope. We would love for you to fill it out so we know that you're here with us today. And also, if you do have a prayer request, you can write that down too because we're always praying for you. And I didn't forget about any of you online. Same thing, at the top there is a Connect Here button and also most likely a bubble that just popped up in the chat. And again, for those of you in the congregation, don't forget to put in the basket on your way out. Excellent. Amen. Great stuff. Great stuff. Because you are important, and these are just ways that we stay connected and we care for one another. We lift each other up. A couple of things I want to—I just want to mention if, as you, to honor our veterans that you saw hopefully the table out in the mall area here. And uh, there's an opportunity for you to just take a card and write down uh, the name of a veteran in which service they served and then slip that card up the post of the little flag there and then stick the flag in one of the, uh, one of the standards that are on the table just to recognize each other. And then take a moment and, and give thanks to all the people from our congregation and families who have, who have given themselves in service to protect us, our freedoms uh, in, in the military service. So we, we honor our veterans uh, this morning. Also, after, immediately after our service this morning, we're going to have a baptism uh, of Renee and Matt and uh, Rowan uh, Mortensen. And I got my baptism shirt on. This is the, this is the shirt we wear. It says, I have decided. And uh, whenever you see me wearing this shirt, you know that I'm going in the water to get cold. And, yay, the water's warming up. Woohoo! Glad for that this morning. The water's good. Come on in, we say about Jesus. So 
you know, we do a couple things here. We do three things here that we focus on as we follow Jesus Christ as brothers and sisters together. We, we love God and we show our love to God uh, in worship. And we, we serve God and we also serve others. We use our gifts, our talents, and our abilities in service to God. That is part of our worship. And then we go out and we engage the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. So we've got these three words, love, serve, and engage. And as we do those things, we always want to be generous in them. And uh, whether it's our time, our talent, or our gifts, our, our financial resources, whatever, maybe it's our home that we're being generous with. And we have some principles that we want to follow. And so here, uh, principle number seven, and I ask you to read this with me if you would, please. We give with a sense of loyalty in support of fellow believers. And a scripture that goes along with this one. Read, let's read this together. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Excellent question. One to reflect on. And uh, also words, words to live by. Absolutely. Let's continue worshiping our Lord as, uh, as we stand together. And I'll offer this prayer and the team will come back to lead us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for being with us. Thank you for all the opportunities that you give us to love you, to serve you, and to serve others, to engage the world with the good news. The good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. As we sing songs, as we continue to pray, as we listen to your word this morning and we hear you, come and be present with us still. Renew us, guide us, teach us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is always with us. Good times, bad times, the fire, the water is pulling us out, leading us guiding us, and we thank you for that, Lord. We worship you today. There's a grace when the heart is under fire. Another way when the walls are closing in. And when I look at the space between where I used to be and this reckoning, Another in the fire standing next to me. What another in the water holding back the sea? Should I ever be reminded how I've been set free? There is a cross that bears a burden where another died for. There's another in the fire. All my debts have presented me to water. I'm no longer a slave to my sin. 
strong and mighty Lord, strong and mighty Lord. That's who you are each and every day to us. We lift up praise to you, Lord. And glory, glory, and a thousand hallelujahs. Oh, Lord, my strong to save, strong to heal, strong to deliver, strong to protect, strong to give wisdom. God, we depend on you for every single thing in our lives. We recognize today, Lord, that every good gift comes from you. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your mighty power. That's at work in our lives. I'm going to invite April to join me on the platform. Those of you that have children that are uh, kids' church age, uh, when we finish this prayer, uh, you can send your children to uh, kids' church with Miss April, and she and her staff will uh, be honored to minister to your kids. So let's uh, go to the Lord together in prayer. God, we thank you, and we honor you, and we praise you for your mighty power. We thank you that we see it at work in our lives. We thank you that you deliver us, you set us free, you break chains, you break bondages, and that's because of your mighty power. And so, Lord, today we have a sense that you are doing that. You have been doing that in this room. And so, Lord, we pray that you would continue that today. We pray for Miss April and her staff as they minister to our children. We pray your blessing on them. We pray for our pastor as he comes to bring the message. God, we pray for our hearts, whether we're watching online or here in the room. We pray that you would open our hearts that we would receive from you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you. You can be seated.
again as we worship and listen to God this morning. We're concluding our series called Parables of Invitation. And throughout this series, I've been wanting us to look at some parables of Jesus and focus in on the task that we have as a church to invite others to faith in Jesus Christ. And, and I was hoping that these, these parables would uh, not only teach, but also inspire us because this is, you know, how you get a wedding invitation in the mail or, or an email or Facebook, however they do it these days. You know, there are all kinds of ways that we communicate now. You get that invitation, and it has a special message. The person sending the invitation wants you to know something and wants you to experience something. And so God wants us to experience something also. So He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, with an invitation to come to Him, to come back home. And so all of these parables that Jesus used to teach are one, to bring us back into a relation, each one of us, into a relationship with Jesus Christ, to, uh, to God through faith in Jesus Christ. But then Jesus turns, spins us around after we're standing there facing Jesus. He spins us around and He says, Now I want you to go. Boom. And here's the invitation I want you to give to others. And these parables have been instructing us uh, about things about that invitation. What does it say? So last week, we looked at the, the, the parable of the prodigal son as we most know it. And we stopped in the middle of the parable, I guess two-thirds through the parable, just as the, just as the son returned home. And we heard that phrase, the son came home, the father says, my son is, was lost, now he's found, he was dead, and now he lives. So the party began. And that party is, is where we're picking up the story today. I want to ask you a question. Do you remember a time in your own life when you needed someone else to forgive you? Yeah, we all have. <laughs> we all have. So, so think about that time. I want to tell you a time when, when I needed to ask my brother to forgive me. On the farm where we were growing up as teenagers, we, we heated our house totally in the wintertime with wood. We had two wood stoves, one down in the basement and then the other upstairs in the living room that didn't have a basement underneath it. Our house was built in the, in the 1700s uh, on the farm, and it had a stone foundation and a dirt floor cellar even, while, even when we lived there. And uh, so it was pretty drafty back in those days. Uh, a house built that long ago gets, gets like that. And uh, so as my brother and I, our responsibility to fill the basement with wood for the winter. And of course, we didn't have time on the farm during the summer because we were growing all kinds of crops. We didn't have time in the summer to harvest wood. Uh, so we did that in the, in, during the winter time when we didn't have so much work to do. So we, we'd cut the wood up, we, up in, the, up in the, the woods, haul it down to the, to the house, split it. And then we'd have to throw it down the stairs from outside that went down into the exterior entrance into the basement. So my job was to throw the split wood down to my brother into the basement where he was stacking it in neat piles around the basement. And so I was chucking the wood down, throwing it, and I, was, I could go a lot faster than Paul could stack it because I was just throwing it in. And I knew that. And we wanted to get the door closed so the winter cold didn't get into, into the basement as, as, as much. And so I'm just throwing it as fast as I can. And so a pile built up down in there. And I threw this one chunk of wood down in there, and it smacked onto another piece of wood, and it flew into the air, and it was spinning like this, and it smacked my brother right in the head. 
Now, I didn't see it. I didn't see it hit him because it moved in a different angle and, and it was around the corner, around the wall. Now, my brother was not real happy with me. And he even had the gall to accuse me that I did that on purpose. I didn't do it on purpose. I couldn't plan to hit it on, to land it on this wood so that it went at the right angle to smack him right in the head. I'm not that good. Doesn't mean that if I, if I was that good, I would. <laughs> but I didn't. Well, he was obviously angry. And the sound that it made when it hit this piece of wood here, and then the sound that it made when it hit his head was the same sound. And I'm not saying that his head was made of wood either. I'm not sure to this day that my brother forgave, forgives me. And I was telling somebody, I told this story last night, and I was telling somebody this morning that, that you know, somebody asked me, do I have a good relationship with my brother? Yes, I do. We don't see each other much. He lives in Georgia, and I, and I live here. And I think even to this day, if I brought that story up to him, he probably would question whether or not I did it on purpose and whether or not I really am sorry for smacking him on the head with it. There are times when we have to offer forgiveness to others. My brother needed to offer forgiveness to me. And I need to offer forgiveness to people many times. And, and we have to learn how to forgive. The parable of the prodigal teaches us a lot about the need and the how of forgiving. So let's turn to that parable, Luke chapter 15, verses 24 through 31. I'm not going to read the whole parable. I'm going to start with that, what I've referenced already, verse 24. It's right in the middle of the sentence, uh, at least in this translation of the Bible. Verse 24 is the middle of a sentence. And we know the beginning of the story. The son went away. The father watched for him. And finally, when the son came back, the father received him and restored him, not just as a servant, but the father refused to have the son, his son be a servant. His son came back to the position of a son, which he had once vacated. And that's significant for us to realize that the son was restored as a son. And so it says, for, the father, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Can't say that word. So let the party begin. Meanwhile, I love that part, meanwhile, back at the ranch. Literally speaking, back at the ranch, the older son was out in the fields working. The older son had not heard or seen anything about the hubbub that was happening at home. That's a nice biblical word, hubbub. And when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what's going on? He was told by a servant, not by his father, your brother is back. And your father has killed the fattened calf. And we're celebrating because of his safe return. Let me, let me tell a couple things that are going on in this, this part, of a, part of the parable. He was out working in the fields. He heard the music and the dancing. This brother was doing what he was supposed to be doing. 
says, your brother is back, and he was told, your father has killed the fattened calf, and we're celebrating because of his safe return. Now, of course, you can understand the anger and the jealousy of the older brother. So verse 28 says, the older brother was angry and refused to go in. Have you ever, have you ever been so angry that you've refused to go into something? Uh-huh. <laughs> We can relate, we can relate very easily to this older brother. And the father comes out. Notice how in the previous verses, the father continues to call the younger brother, my son. But listen to how the older brother refers to his brother. His father came out and begged him. But the older son replied, all these years I've slaved for you. Never once have I refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast. Now, a goat is the feast of a common person. And it would be very rarely used for a common person to find a goat. Because they didn't have goats. Or maybe they did, but they needed to raise the goat for milk and for cheese and for other... And, and when the goat was old, then they might have uh, uh, sacrificed the goat so that they could have clothes or they could have shelter or they could use the skin and the other parts of the goat that could no longer produce milk or produce additional livestock. The goat was a very common... Uh, a common thing to have, but still, even for common people, it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't necessarily a luxury, but except for some people, they maybe never have gotten a goat. And so the older brother is saying, not only did you, you, you have many goats, my father. You could have given many goats to me to celebrate life with my friends, but you didn't even do that. And when this, and listen to what he says, yet, When this son of yours, husbands and wives of children, have you ever said to your spouse, this child of yours has done such and such? You know what you're saying. What you're saying is, I have no responsibility. I have no relationship with this child that you raised. (laughs) And we do it in jest, I really hope. But this son, this son of the father, refuses to recognize his brother and the relationship that he has with him. He is cutting him off. But the father refuses to cut him off. And so, yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes. Now last week we talked about the word prodigal. And we defined the word prodigal, as it does in the dictionary, as wasteful. It also can be defined as lavish. And we talked about that. We see how wasteful the son is, but we see how lavish the father is with his love, with the party. And it's symbolic of the lavishness of God's love for you. God lavishes his love on you and me. And this word squandering is a, is a synonym of the word prodigal, a synonym of the word lavish, a synonym of the word wasteful. We need to hear that. 
The brother is clearly identifying that the other brother has been wasteful. He squandered your money on prostitutes, and yet you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. Not a goat, but the calf that we've been raising for that very special, perhaps once in a lifetime, celebration. What is up with this, Dad? Are you, are you, are you feeling the anger? And his father said to him, You know, I I wish Jesus had said a little bit more about the Father. Because to me, in in my human perspective, the Father is a little too relaxed and a little too calm. If these two boys were mine, and I only have one son, I would have been a little bit more angry with the older brother than the Father appears to be. But I think that tells us something also. It tells us about the forgiveness and the the reconciliation that the Father is modeling for both of His children. And He says, His Father said to Him, Look, dear Son. And the term dear Son here in the original language is an intimate, affectionate name. And and the father is clearly connecting these two brothers to himself. So he said, my child, my beloved child, you have always stayed with me. And everything I have is yours. It was, it is, it will be. We had to celebrate. We had to celebrate. We had no option but to celebrate. There's life happening here. You have to celebrate life. For your brother was dead, and he has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Jesus says to us often, forgive others. The Father is modeling forgiveness to us. There is reconciliation in this family. There is deep hurt in this family. Yet, there is forgiveness and reconciliation also too. The invitation that Jesus is giving to us in this parable is an invitation to forgive others. Let's talk about forgiveness some more. As we think, you know that it's optional to forgive others. Jesus said to forgive others. Didn't give us an option. Jesus teaches us to pray. And if you know the Lord's Prayer, you'll know this phrase. Jesus taught us to pray saying, Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive the sins that have been committed against us. And it's, it's, it's extremely difficult to get around the word as in that statement because it places a condition upon the forgiveness that God gives to us. The condition is that as we forgive others, so God will forgive us. Forgiving others is not an option. It's a requirement to experiencing God's forgiveness in our own lives. I know that's tough for some of us to hear, but it's the Word of God, and it's true. 
I want to go through a process of forgiveness. And there's an uncovering phase. Phase one of a process of forgiveness is to uncover the, the sin that has been committed. We have to reveal what it is. We have, to, we have an uncovering phase that we start with. And I think of, I think of King David in the Old Testament Remember the story, and if you're not familiar with his story, it kind of goes like this. King David was the selected king for Israel. He was blessed by God, anointed, full of God's power. But King David disobeyed God. King David stole the wife of one of his soldiers. And when that sin, before that sin was known, so that it wouldn't be known, King David had that soldier murdered. And a child was was born out of David's sinful relationship with Bathsheba. And, And God knew it. Nobody else knew it. And so God needed to confront David in his sin. He needed to uncover his sin. So God sent the prophet Nathan to David. Nathan told David a story about a man who sinned. It was just a parable. It was just a story. But in hearing that story, David recognized how in the story that man sinned and he should be greatly punished for his sin. And then Nathan turned around to David and said those heart-piercing words, David. You are that man. The sin was uncovered. It was revealed before David. And so when we come to relationship with God, we've all got to know that the sins that we have committed are going to one day be fully revealed. We're going to have to stand before God and face the reality of all of our actions, all of our decisions, all of our thoughts, all of our feelings. And we're going to have to account for them. Our sins will be uncovered. And there are many things in our lives today that we think that we've done done wrong, but they will get uncovered. What hope do we have? Our hope is in Jesus Christ who forgives us. That as my sins are uncovered before the Lord our God, the pure and holy God, and God stands, I stand before God and, and God says, Roger, you remember this. You remember this. Do I need to remind you of this? And when I begin to feel that shame that pours over my body, that says to me, you don't deserve to be here. I will be standing next to Jesus. <laughs> and I will turn to Jesus. And I will say, Jesus, please help me. And Jesus will say, Roger, you have confessed your trust and your faith in me. And by your faith in me, Jesus is going to turn to his heavenly father and said, Roger's sins are forgiven. Let him in. Give him new life. And, I, and you better believe that, 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 you know, I stand here before you and there are times when I confess my own sins to you. But believe me, I've never confessed all of my sins to you. 
And I am never going to confess all of my sins to you. (laughs) I've done shameful things. I've done things that that I I can't think about without feeling shame before God. And I'm just embarrassed. How could I have done that? And you're thinking, Roger? <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you, Pastor Vaughn. I'm going to hold on to Jesus because He is my only hope. And He is your only hope, too, for the forgiveness that we receive from God for all of our sins. And because of that, God says to me, now, as you have been forgiven, Roger, forgive others. So here's this uncovering phase. Phase two is a decision phase that we have to go through. And in this decision phase, we have to make a cognitive decision to forgive others. We have to think, we have to reflect what forgiveness is. And to think about what forgiveness is not. And let me say this. There's some of us who have experienced tremendous pain in our lives. Pain that I have never experienced. Pain that I can never imagine. And God still is calling us to forgive those who have inflicted that pain on us. But believe me, it's a process. And it can be very difficult. And if you're one of those people that that you have said, I will never forgive so-and-so, I get it. I get it. But still the truth of what Jesus is doing is saying to us, when you forgive that person, you will be freed from the pain and the suffering that comes from that. It's part of the healing that God gives to us to forgive others. And so we have to make a decision to forgive. Sometimes the decision may be, God, I cannot forgive that person, but God, I need you to help me to even want to forgive that person. But I cannot do it today. But help me even want to forgive that person. We have to make a decision for it. Step three, or phase three, is working through the forgiveness. And this, is, this takes work. It's going to take time. Forgiveness does not happen like that. We often, as parents, we, our children do something and we say, Now, you sit over here and you come here and I want you to say you're sorry. And we force a child to say I'm sorry. All we're doing is teaching them to say words. But you know, you're a child. You know what's happening in that child's life. I am going to say these words just to get out of this chair. <laughs> We have to teach that child as they grow and as they mature to uncover the offense that has occurred. To make a decision that it is good and right to forgive the other person and then do the work of forgiving. And in case you think that it doesn't take work or it's not something that we have to do, let's, let me remind you of some of these scriptures. And I'm going to go through these very quickly for the sake of time. And, and if you want, to, you want to grab some of them, grab a, a, a pen and a, uh, the note card that's in the pocket of the folder on the table. But we can start with Matthew chapter 6, verses 12 through 15, where Jesus has taught the Lord's Prayer that I've already referenced. He says, this version that I'm reading says, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And in verse 14, it says, For if you forgive others' trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
There's no way around that little preposition, as. Is that what it is, a preposition? Uh Uh-oh, somebody correct me. But if you, verse 15 says, But if you do not forgive others, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. Then we jump to Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? And Peter gave this answer that he thought was extremely gracious and he would be praised for it. He said, should I forgive him as many as seven times? What a great person I would be if I could forgive somebody seven times. Jesus says, no, Peter, you're to forgive that person 70 times seven. I want to give you a test. I want you to get out a little notebook, maybe one of those spiral-bound pocket-sized notebooks, and just put it in your pocket someplace. Keep it in your purse. Every time, and and put a name on a page for each person who who offends you. So you're going to put a, a page for Roger. And I want you to count throughout your life how many times you have to forgive me. Now go ahead and do that. Or do that for your spouse. Because I guarantee you're going to have to forgive your spouse many more times than you have to forgive me. Because it's just marriage. It's relationship. And do you really think that you'll remember 490 times I forgave you? And you get to the 491 and you say to your spouse, that's it. There is no more forgiveness. Jesus is not giving us a literal number here. Jesus is saying, no, you've got to forgive. In Mark chapter 11, it says, Whenever you stand praying, forgive. It doesn't say, Whenever you stand praying, maybe you should forgive. It's a command. Forgive. If you have anything against anyone, forgive. So that your Father in heaven may also forgive you. The conditional, the may, the possibility it is on God's part. In that verse. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have if you have anything against anyone, forgive, so that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. In Luke chapter six, verse thirty seven. Oh no, I'm gonna skip that one. Nope, I'm not gonna skip that. Luke six thirty seven. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn. And you will not be condemned. Forgive. And you will be forgiven. There's a cause and effect relationship here. In Luke 17, verse 4. If the same person sins against you seven times a day and turns your back on you seven times and says, I repent. Jesus says, you must Forgive. In John twenty twenty three, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Our forgiveness or our lack of forgiveness has power in our lives. Don't forget that. Colossians 3, verse 13 says, Bear with one another, and if anyone has complained, has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. It takes work 
It's the work phase. And maybe during this work phase, you need to take these scriptures and put them someplace so you can be reminded. But be honest with God about forgiving certain people, perhaps, because I know it can be painful and difficult. So grab a brother or a sister that you trust, a brother or sister in Christ, and say, I need to forgive somebody, and I'm having a hard time doing it. I can't even conceive of what my life would be like if I actually did forgive that person. I do not want to forgive that person. I am so angry about what they said, what happened, what they did to me. They drastically changed my life. I cannot forgive them. Would you please pray for me? Because I'm willing to risk that if, because Jesus has said forgive, that when I am able to forgive so-and-so, my life will change. You know, some of us withhold forgiveness. But withholding forgiveness is like me drinking Drano or any other poison, thinking that it's going to kill the person that I'm angry at. No, it's not. Me withholding forgiveness is going to do nothing to that person. It's only going to hurt me. Free yourself from that burden through faith in Jesus Christ. Vaughn, Pastor Vaughn. Oh, then we get to the last phase, which is the deepening phase. And this deepening phase continues. It really goes back to the uncovering phase again. Let's have that. Go ahead and click that part of the slide. The uncovering phase in this cycle goes over throughout our entire lives. And let me tell you that if you work on the habit of of these practices, it'll become a habit for you. You'll You'll begin to let go of little infractions that people do to you. If you practice these things, and then it'll get easier for you to offer forgiveness to those more difficult things. Jesus says, forgive. Pastor Vaughn told me this this week as we were talking about this, that he remembers growing up without a father. And how, how, how he was angry, bitter, resentful towards his father. Because it's, and, and especially he would see other young boys. And, and even in adulthood, Pastor Vaughn sees me talk about my father. And Pastor Vaughn gets resentful sometimes about his own father, what his father didn't give to him like what my father gave to me. And so Pastor Vaughn in that moment has to go back through this process again. Even though he has forgiven his father many, many times, many, many years ago. Did you get to 490? But who's counting? Right? So this is a repeating process. We may have to forgive the same person over and over again. There are people in my life, you know, some church people say harsh things to their pastor. Because I don't do everything that everybody wants me to do. I can't possibly do what everybody wants me to do. When they get mad, they run away from, they walk away from the church or they call me up. I'm going to share this story. Oh no, I'm going to quit. Well, it's just—it was just a very powerful experience for me. You know, Pastor Paul is our beloved pastor of this church for 27 years, and he didn't do everything right. 
And one day I was standing in the hall with Pastor Paul, and a man came in, and he said, I want to talk to Pastor Paul. And we were in the, just in the lobby area of the office. This man came in, and, and the man confronted Pastor Paul immediately. And, and I don't remember what brought the two of them together on this occasion, but it was some kind of a business transaction. I don't know what, whatever we were doing, but the, the man came in, and he said, he said, you know, for many years I was angry with you. So angry that I refused to come to the church. Pastor Paul, this was years after the fact. And I thought, mm, I need to get out of this conversation. <laughs> I stepped back so that he and Pastor Paul, but I kept an ear out. Not because I was curious, but because I wanted to be supportive of Pastor Paul because I've been in those shoes. And this, this man said to Pastor Paul, You did my wife's funeral. But afterwards, you never spoke to me again. And I resented that for years and years. And the man never said, I'm sorry for resenting you. But for years, but Pastor Paul never even knew that that was an offense to the man. What was Pastor Paul supposed to do about it? But in this moment, of course, Pastor Paul says, I'm sorry. I don't know if that man forgave him. But we always we have infractions. We get offended by what people do or what they don't do. And we have to forgive. So here's a process that can help you do that. Pastor Vaughn was talking about how over and over he had to forgive his father. All of this, believe me, all of this needs to be couched in intense prayer with others. Let me ask you. In the parable... This brother has to forgive his brother, that he won't even acknowledge as his brother. We see no indicator that the brother forgives the other brother. Jesus doesn't give us that. He just tells us that we've got to forgive, and he gives us the model of the Father, who is a model of what our Heavenly Father does for us and for others, to forgive. Where are you with someone in this forgiveness process? Where are you in, in your relationship with God in asking for forgiveness? Are you in the uncovering phase? Are you denying your own sinfulness? Are you honest about it with God? Maybe you need to come and kneel at the platform area as we sing and as we pray and, and say, God, I have pretended that you didn't see what I did. But I know you do, and I need your forgiveness. I want to know, God, that you forgive me. And what God does is He gives us His Holy Spirit to witness with our own human spirit that our sins, all of them, are forgiven. Glory to God. And if you need that today, come and get it. If you're online and you need that forgiveness, pray it right there at home. And He forgives you. You need to make a decision. You've thought about it. Is it time to say... Okay, God, I have harbored this resentment for too long. It has destroyed my life. Perhaps even more than the action that I thought that I was offended by has destroyed my life. But I can't get this out of my mind. I need to forgive. I need to let it go. And I'm making a decision to do that. And then you enter into the work phase. Maybe you're still there. Maybe you need some brothers and sisters in Christ to come and help you. 
Maybe you're in that deepening phase where you're forgiving somebody once again who you already forgave a long time ago, but now it's getting deeper and richer in your forgiveness. And as your your forgiveness gets deeper and richer, so will your love for that person, but also your love for others. And others at work will see a change in you because you've let something go from your life. It'll transform your life. So as we worship, as we pray, and as we sing, that's my invitation to us today. Let's forgive. And then Jesus says, go out into the world and transform the world by telling them and showing them what is the forgiveness that he gives to us that we can offer to others. It's an invitation to forgive. Let's pray. Take a moment, Father, and ask your Holy Spirit to come and Work in our hearts and our minds in this room, online, in the car, in the bedroom, in the home, wherever. Teach us to forgive. Send your Holy Spirit to strengthen us to forgive. Give us the desire to forgive, to break those bonds of the offense that has occurred to us. Free us, Jesus. Release us to live the life that you want us to live. A life that is pleasing to you, transforming to our own lives and transforming in our families and in our communities and in our world. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us this morning? Again, you've heard the invitation. The invitation is to forgive. We have a Father who has forgiven us. Just like the Father in the story forgave His Son. Not all of us have the same concept of Father. As you just heard the story about Pastor Bond's dad. But God is a loving, caring Father. He wants the best for us. We thank you, Lord. And I've heard a thousand stories of one day think your life, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Oh, and I've seen many searching for answers far and wide but I know we're all searching for answers only you provide cause you know just what we need before we say a word you're a good good father it's who you are 
Because of your forgiveness, and because you have forgiven us so much, Lord, we ought to forgive one another. So, Lord, we ask you to help us to walk in that forgiveness every day of our lives. We ask you, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit that you would help us to do just that. We thank you, Lord. We pray you would send us from this place with that spirit in the name of Jesus. Before you leave today, again, there's a baptism that's going to immediately follow this service. It's out in the mall. We encourage you to stay around and, and join us for that. And uh, God bless you. Have a great week.